0: You're listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on LA Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on LA Talk Radio.
1: to the Art of Love. My name is Lucia. I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert. And I'm here to entertain, educate and enlighten you about love, dating and relationships. Take your live calls, answer your emails and speak to authors of books which I find interesting. And the topic this week is going to be about lies that we tell ourselves. You know that nasty little voice in your head that pops up? Well, we're going to find out what that voice is saying and why it's a lie. And the title of the book is Big Fat Lies Women Tell Themselves. Ditch Your Inner Critic and Wake Up Your Inner Superstar. But the show is for both men and women because we all have that nasty voice. The author is Amy Ehlers. And I will bring her on. Welcome
0: to the show, Amy. Thank you so much for having me, Lucia. It's so wonderful to be here. And yes, you're so right. Although the the book is specifically focused on women, my my, um, my father has read my book. I've had many women come up, men come up to me and say,
1: "Oh my gosh, I've thought almost every single one of these big fat lies myself." So guys, we're talking to you too. That's right. And the website is wakeupcallcoaching.com. So a little bio on. Amy, Amy Ehlers, perfect alliteration there, <laughs> the Wake Up Call Coach is an international certified success coach, the CEO of Wake Up Call Coaching, the co-founder of Inner Mean Girl Reform School, and the creator of the Women Masters Teleseminar Series, where she has spoken alongside such luminaries as Marianne Williamson and Neil Donald Walsh. She has been a featured expert on ABC TV for the Washington Post and the Huffington Post, Anne is a recipient of a Women Who Dare Award from Girls Inc. And she holds a BA from the University of California. So, Amy, how did you come to write this book?
0: Well, you know, I have been coaching um, women and men for over a decade now. I became a life coach way back before it was cool, as my friends like to say, (laughs) um, back in 2000. And um, started coaching and really noticed this theme amongst my clients that no matter how smart or successful or beautiful or handsome a person was, on some level they were being way too hard on themselves. And so we started keeping track of these addictive negative thoughts that we were telling ourselves and beating ourselves up with, things like, I'm not enough, or it's too late for me, or I'm damaged goods, or I'm unlovable things of that nature and I started to make a list and and I, I began calling them big fat lies because it became so clear to me when I was sitting across from this beautiful magnificent human being who had so many incredible things going well for them in their lives that they were enough, that they were lovable, that they were there was no way they were damaged goods. And so the truth became really, really clear to me as their coach. And I began tracking these big fat lies and then working with different tools to respond to every single big fat lie. And that eventually became my book. There's there's actually fifty nine big fat lies in the book. And every single one of them has the truth followed by a coaching challenge exercise, a real tangible tools so that you can really sink your teeth into the truth and then an affirmation and an inspiring quote um so it's really a bite-sized self-help book that you can flip to any page anytime and get some truth or you can you know go straight to the section on let's say love and relationships go straight to big fat line number 36 i need another to complete me there's so many different ways that my readers are using the book and it's just been so well received i'm i'm thrilled
1: Cool. Uh, Did you find that the people that, let's say, were the most attractive were the ones that were the hardest on themselves?
0: It's so funny that you say that. You know, (laughs) I found that the people, oftentimes the people that had all of their external circumstances together Mm -hmm. were the ones that were hardest on themselves. They had an inner critic that at intermingle Reform School, which I co-founded with um, Christina Rilo, an amazing coaching colleague. Um, we like to call her the inner achievement junkie. And so they would have this achievement junkie running the show, and they would have all of their stuff together on the outside, from the looks and the house and the cars and the job and the kids and all this stuff. But on the inside, there was this, um, you know, they were spiritually bankrupt, this feeling of deep, a deep feeling of not being fulfilled and not having a lot of meaning in their lives. And it's because of that inner achievement junkie that was running the show. So I did find some correlation between that. It's, you know, you're right on with that.
1: Uh, yeah, that's why I say you know there, you should never envy or judge someone because you really don't know what's going on on the inside with them.
0: It's so true. I mean, I always say that we the only truth that we know, the only truth that we know is our is um, the truth of our own life, and we definitely very rarely um, know the truth of someone else's life. I I've been leading workshops um, internationally for um, years now. And one of the things that I have been doing lately, especially on my book tour when I've been in um, in front of a room, um, is said, you know, turn to a partner next to you and just say, you know, here's one of the things that I'm really hard on myself about. And I've had married couples look at each other and and say it, and had the other person shocked. They had no idea that their partner, the person that they're living with, Mm -hmm. the person that they're raising raising kids with, the person that they stood up on an altar and, you know, made vows to, that they, you know, didn't know, oh my gosh, I had no idea that you were beating yourself up about this. We all have this secret inner life Mm -hmm. of our inner critic, which is really where that, who is the big fat liar, is the inner critic inside of us, the inner mean girl, the inner bully for you guys out there. And that's really the voice that's producing these big fat lies. But the good news is that there's definitely another voice inside of you. I like to call her or him your inner wisdom, and that's really where the truth comes from.
1: I know. When I hear my voice, depending on how I'm feeling, I'm like, stop it. Or I don't know who you are, but I'm not listening to you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. It's like when I started saying, oh, my gosh, that's a big fat lie, this thing would start happening with my clients where they would say, oh, my gosh, that's true, that is a big, fat lie. And then all of a sudden they would take a stand for truth, a real stand for truth in their life. And they would. Have, it was like once they outed the big, fat lies, once they outed their inner critic, once they shone a light on it and brought that inner critic and the big, fat lies out of the darkness and into the light, they started to heal those lies, and they started to create a space of truth and a space for their inner wisdom to be heard. And that's why I developed a three-step process that has really been helpful for people to start uh, you know, hearing their inner wisdom and locking in on their inner wisdom. And Lucia, I'd love to share that with your listeners, if, if now's a good time for that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Before you uh, give the process, just tell us, where, yeah. does, where does this nasty voice come from?
0: Well, you know, it's definitely part of the human experience. It's part of the human psyche. When you look at the latest brain research and all of the different ways since brain mapping technology over the last 10, 15 years has come about – They've really found that we have these neural pathways in our brain, and they've learned so much more about the reptilian brain, which is really the part of our brain where the amygdala um, and the amygdala, which is really our fear center, that these centers are, can often go in and be in control of our lives because they were built during a time and for situations where we needed to survive so it's often it's called the negativity receptor, and it's actually bigger in women than it is in men are negativity receptors. And there's a lot of different theories as of why that is, but when you, when you think of it, when we were out in the wild, mm-hmm. you know, centuries ago, right. we were really looking at what is the one berry that is poisonous, so to speak. You know, how can we make sure to protect our young against all of the different things and dangers that were out there? And that's where that fear receptor and negativity receptor were really, really useful. But fast forward to our modern-day world where I'm sure most of your listeners out there Live in a part of the world where and, and are, are we're fortunate enough to not really be thinking about our basic human needs being met, food, shelter, and clothing. Most of us do have those things pretty well taken care of. And so that negativity receptor and that reptilian brain is not as useful as it once was. And so it can feel like you know an unpaid bill comes comes in, or you get rejected when you're out on a date, or you ask someone out on a date and they're not so into you, or whatever. You can actually have the same brain chemical reaction wow. as if you were out there in the wild about to be attacked by a lion. So it's there's a lot of brain science that goes into it, and I, I really believe that that's part of why our psyche has developed to the inner critic. Um, you know our brains are also meant to uh, maintain homeostasis to, you know, maintain the status quo chemically in our brain. We have all of these different types of set points in our brain from set points around our weight to set points around our happiness, set points around our finances, and our brains will fight to to maintain that status quo. And I believe that's one of the areas, and I'm not a brain scientist, but I really believe that's one of the reasons why our inner critic was developed, was just to keep us safe and to protect us and to maintain the status quo. But I know that most of your listeners, which yeah, that are smart enough to be listening to such a beautiful program like this, are are Thank people you. that are like, hey, I want to risk, I want to go big, I want to fall in love, I want to have meaning in my life, and so that takes going outside of our comfort zones, and so our inner critics are going to come
1: up in a big way. Mm, wow. Okay. So give us the three-step process that people can take uh, to get their power back. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, step number one is anytime you're feeling any sort of negative emotion, and so those of you listening right now, um, I encourage you to follow along. You might even want to just think about an area in your life where you are being hard on yourself. Maybe you're beating yourself up saying it's too late to find love, or maybe you're being really hard on yourself about the way your body looks, or maybe you're being really hard on yourself about what your bank account is saying. Whatever it is for you, just kind of bring that up to mind. And then I want you to do step one which is just to simply ask, what is my inner critic saying? And people sometimes can be a little bit resistant to doing step one. They say, Amy, I believe in the law of attraction. I don't want to think about these negative thoughts. I don't want to put my focus there. And think of this as if we're doing a feng shui of your brain. (laughs) And we're starting to release the resistance to the negative thoughts because if you're being hard on yourself or if you're feeling any sort of negative emotion, from mild frustration and irritation to being enraged or completely depressed, I can assure you your inner critic is right there with a megaphone. So we need to get out of the denial of the big fat lies and instead Get them out of the darkness and into the light so they can be healed. You can do this in a journal. You can do this with a partner. What is my inner critic saying? And just out the big, fat lies. Mm-hmm. So that's step one. And then once you feel like your inner critic has had a his or her rant, um, and I, I encourage my clients, you know, you'll find a pause will come, and you'll feel like, okay, and then just say, what else? So that you can really get down to those base things that you are thinking those kind of core big fat lies that you might be believing the things like i'm unlovable or i'm damaged goods or i'm not enough or i'm a fraud or whatever it is call these in my book the mother load big fat lies because it's like Mm -hmm. yeah it's the mother load it's the it's the place that you really go to it's that dark big fat lie that crops up a lot in your life so see if you can kind of drill your way down to that core big fat lie okay And then go to step two. And so as long as you're not driving, you can close your eyes right now (laughs) and take a deep breath, just breathing in and breathing out and just really sinking into that space and asking, now that your inner critic has had his or her say, just ask, what does my inner wisdom know? What is my inner wisdom know? And what you'll find when you ask that question is the truth. And, you know, our inner wisdom will also tell us the truth when it isn't pretty sexy or fun. <laughs> our inner wisdom will also have the come-to-Jesus moment, the wake-up-call moment with you, if there's if there's something that you need to hear. But your inner wisdom will do it from a place of love and compassion. And it will feel like it's grounded. It will feel like... Okay, here's the truth. When I've had my inner wisdom tell me to get out of relationships, I've had my inner wisdom tell me it was time to really put my body back on, on the front burner in my life and get my exercise in and start really watching the way that I was treating my body and treating my body like a temple. I've had my inner wisdom tell me that it was time to get out of business relationships, all sorts of things, but my inner wisdom will do it from that space of love and compassion. And then the third step is for you to repeat back out loud, if possible, your inner wisdom's truth while doing a tangible, physical movement. So this can be just a small gesture for me, i tap on my heart, Another other clients that might wave their hand. Whatever it is for you, just doing that. And this is a neuro-linguistic programming technique. This is a technique um, for you to start anchoring in and start building that new neural pathway in your brain. So that this inner wisdom truth can start to become a real thought pattern for you. In other words, a belief, because a belief is just a thought that you've thought, you know, repetitively for a long time. So this can start to become your new belief and what you'll find over the years as my as my clients have been doing this and even over a couple of weeks, is that you'll find when you start locking in your inner wisdom with the physical movement, but then you can even just do the physical movement mm. and you'll start feeling relief immediately just when you're in the world. so I highly recommend finding that inner wisdom physical movement, and so that's that's the three step process it's really simple and I find it to be really powerful for myself and my clients have really found it to be incredibly powerful. So I'll just repeat them back one more time. Step one is what is my inner critic saying? Step two, close your eyes, take a deep breath, ask what is my inner wisdom know? And step three is to use that physical gesture as you lock in your inner wisdom's truth. So, so I hope that's useful for everyone.
1: Yeah. So just to make it clear. So then let's say you come up with the truth. So like give us an example, like a truth and then how you would lock it in.
0: Yeah, so for me, if my truth is it's time um, for me to let go of this relationship, if I know that, mm-hmm. But I would literally tap on my heart and just say out loud, it's time to let go of that relationship. Or if my truth, if my inner wisdom said to me, you got to ask that guy or girl out, it's time. I would tap on my heart and say, honey, it's time. Go and ask her out. She's ready for you, <laughs> or whatever the case okay. may be. So really, really simple, just repeating back out loud your inner wisdom's truth while doing that physical gesture.
1: Okay, and then um, how does someone know if they're being too hard on themselves? You know, it's interesting. I, first of all, I've found that
0: everybody's being too hard on themselves yeah. about something. Yes. There's yeah. always seems to be something that you know people are beating themselves up about. And I have really found over the years that um, that we we really really can feel a sense of being punished we're feeling sh- ashamed or like we're wanting to hide and conceal something. Um, you can feel like a, you're, a sense of guilt wishing you've done something different or... Um, Uh, or even um, feeling regret, you might be overly blaming yourself. You could feel torment, Mm -hmm. like you're running the same movie over and over and over again in your mind. Or maybe you're feeling anxious and you have racing thoughts or you're overwhelmed and you want to get right back in your bed. That's a sure sign that you are being hard on yourself. And it's a sure sign that um, it's time for you to start looking towards your inner wisdom so you can start going easy on yourself
1: and giving yourself a break. And so then what happens when people st- stop being hard on themselves? Well, you know, I, the way I like to put it, and, and
0: you know, I lead uh, an Inner Wisdom Golden Circle, an Inner Wisdom group um, with um, Christina Rilo, and I really view all my work, my book, um, the work I do at Intermingle Reform School, the things that I write about on my blog, all of that stuff. It's really about leading your life from your Inner Wisdom. And so uh, what I want to have happen and what I want for all of your listeners is for them to use inspiration as the fuel source in their life. Instead of obligation or guilt or shame or shoulds, you know, any of that, I want you to feel a sense of joy and enthusiasm in your life, to feel that sense of wanting to get out of bed in the morning and to feel a sense of hope and possibility in your life and that you're making choices from that space of your inner wisdom. I know for me, when I really began taking a stand for living my life this way, you know, so many things opened opened up for me. I mean, opportunities started flowing to me that would have never flown had I, uh, you know, flown um, came to me if I had never really started leading my life from my inner wisdom and that's really the space that's like the the sweet spot that my clients seem to get to is going gosh not only do I hear my inner wisdom but I've cultivated the courage to act on my inner wisdom and when we're in that space, it's just we feel a sense of bliss in our lives, and that's and, and joy and meaning and happiness. My gosh, what about being happy? Doesn't that
1: sound delicious? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> just being happy, you know. That's the goal. Um, so you yeah. you talk about you know feeling overwhelmed. You had an interesting explanation for it because I know a lot of people feel overwhelmed these days, especially women.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. This is um, this this Big Fat Lie has definitely got a lot of um, attention, for sure. Big Fat Lie number uh-huh. 21, uh-huh. I feel overwhelmed. And I have a different perspective about overwhelm, and it's something that I work with all the time in my life. You know, I have a four-year-old little girl and an amazing husband and author and speaker and writer, you know, all these different hats that I'm wearing in my life, and I understand feeling overwhelmed. But the truth is, when you really investigate a feeling of overwhelm, it really comes from a feeling of underwhelm. And what I mean by that is that it's it's like you've, you've let yourself become victimized by your to-do list. And when we have a sense of underwhelm, we've forgotten the reasons why we're doing what we're doing. And so whenever I feel a sense of overwhelm in my life, the first thing I have to do is to, A, first of all, make that to-do list. You know, get everything out of my head Mm -hmm. and onto a piece of paper. And then, as I I talk about in the book, what I like people to do is use the choose, lose, or delegate system with their to-do list. And when you choose the activity in your to-do list and you say, I choose this, that means that you are stepping out of feeling victimized by it. It means that you're stepping out of overwhelm and you're stepping out of underwhelm about it because you're going, I know why I'm doing this. And I am a yes, I choose this in my life. So that's the choose, and then the lose is, of course, the things that you realize, and I think so many of us have, it's like our inner critic all of a sudden has created all of these to-do items that we really don't have to do, Mm -hmm. and that we are just busying ourselves. We're so busy being busy that we create the sense of overwhelm and the drama and get fueled by the adrenaline, and there's all the chemical things that happen there um and and it's like no i'm i'm losing it i'm quit i quit this activity i am hereby taking it off of my list and just giving yourself permission to lose it and then, of course, delegate is just like it sounds. What are the things on your to-do list that you can start delegating? And I am all for people getting creative with delegation. I'm all for interns. Um, I, you know, I had an amazing mother's helper this summer that I paid, you know, $7 an hour to to hang out with my 4-year-old little girl while I was working here at home. And my daughter had the best time, this, mm-hmm. and this young gal, she was 12 years old, she was teaching my daughter gymnastics on the front lawn. Like, they had the best time. Like, there are really low-cost resources out there for you to choose to delegate to someone who are the kids in your neighborhood that are eight years old that can come and fold your laundry for $3 an hour and be stoked because they get to buy, you know, a roll of stickers later that day. And their parents are so excited because they're learning about responsibility. You know, there's so many different ways to get creative around delegation. I even had a client once that absolutely despised doing laundry, but loved going to the grocery store. I encouraged her to investigate with her friends if there was anybody in in her neighborhood that um, but she knew that loved to do laundry because these people exist, Lucia. Mm, I couldn't yes. believe it, personally, because <laughs> I do not like to do laundry. But I remember I had a roommate um, once when I was living in Los Angeles, actually, who loved doing laundry. It was like her meditation. Yes, She loved it. And so this it was really interesting. This client of mine did a swap. She did the grocery shopping for this woman, and this woman did the laundry. So she would show up at her house, drop off her laundry, grab her um, her shopping list, would go to the store for both of them. She, you know, the person would give her the money. She'd come back. Her, You know, it was like going to a fluff and fold for her. And her friend was so grateful because she didn't have to go to the grocery store. And my, friend, my client loved clipping coupons. They both saved money. Like, it was just a wow. fantastic match. So you never know the different ways that delegation can show up in your life. So that's my, my tip for getting out of overwhelm is really look at it as underwhelm, plug back in, and then choose, the, choose, lose, or delegate system.
1: I love that. Um, so you have 59 lies in the book. Is there one that the majority of people tell themselves?
0: Definitely big fat lie number one, I am not enough, mm. which can also show up as I am not good enough. I think this is really almost always one of the core big fat lies that, when you drill down, um, is one of those things that's holding the majority of us back in one way or another. And it's interesting because for some people, that like they go, "Well, no, no, I don't really think that I'm not enough," and and it, and and that may be true. And I often find that it'll be about one certain area where they feel not enough. Like, oh, I feel co- totally capable and completely enough around these five things, but when it comes to my love life, I just don't feel enough. I'm great at work. I know that I'm enough at work. I know that I'm enough to get that job. I know that I'm enough to make all this money. I know that I'm enough, you know, and then for other people, it's like, I am not enough to be making good money. I just don't feel like I'm, I'm good enough to be wealthy. Whatever it is, there can be kind of a sticking point around that and it can show up in different ways. And it, and you know, enoughness, feeling that core sense of self-worth is really a choice. I find that it is a choice. And I don't know if you have found this in your work as well, but it, it's almost a fake it till you make it kind of yes, thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it really is. I, I've i just found over the years, it's like, what if you were enough? What if we just decided and just declared? And, what, you know, everyone that's listening, let's just declare right now that you are enough, that you are good enough. And if you really came from that core confidence, from that core self-respect, from that core self-worth, what would you be doing differently in your life? And just start doing it and acting as if you do believe that you're enough and it will catch up to you eventually. See the ways in which you are withholding that feeling of enoughness and just give it to yourself right now from that space of knowing that you are here on this planet, that it is our birthright to feel that we are enough.
1: And just decide it. Amen. Um, let's go over a couple more of these lies. Uh, here's another big one: If I say no, people won't like me.
0: Oh yeah, don't you know? Don't you know the people that that really is is true for? This is a big fat lie number yes. 18. I I find that there are people that just cannot say no. And the truth that I like to say about this big fat lie is that if you say no people will know how to love you. They will know how to honor you. If you can never say no, then your yeses don't mean a thing. Mm. Because if you're saying yes to everything right. and there's no contrast, then your yeses are meaningless. People won't know if you're saying yes out of obligation. They won't know if you're saying yes because you want them to like you. They, they won't know if you're say, like what your motivations are for the yes. And so when you start saying no... There's this beautiful thing that happens, the people in your life, and I, and I really recommend one of the things that I talk about in this um, Big Fat Lie is going to, you know, taking off that nice girl hat and putting on your 100% me hat instead and start telling people how you really feel. Start setting boundaries and start saying no and really beginning this process with someone that you are closest to whether it's your sibling or your parent or your lover or your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, someone that you can trust and that you know unconditionally loves you. And I actually give a script in the book where you, where you can say, you know, have you noticed that I have a bad habit of saying yes when I really mean to say no? And that loved one will probably respond, as a matter of fact, I have noticed that. And then you can say to them that you're working on setting boundaries and can I use you as my playing field? And and I can guarantee you, the people that are close to you in your life, that that are worthy of being close to you in your life, and that are worthy of being seated at the innermost circle in your life, will be delighted to help you learn how to say no. They will be so delighted, and they will find you inspiring. So I really am, you know, my affirmation on this is I say no when I want to, and people love me just the same. So try that on for size. I say no when I want to, and people love me just the same. And I, actually, I love this inspiring quote in this. is from Anne Monroe Lindbergh, and it says, the most exhausting thing in life is being insincere. Mm. Really think about that. Wow. Think about how exhausting it is to say yes to everything and everyone. And because, of course, the one person you're withholding the yes to is yourself.
1: That's right.
0: So starting to really practice those no's and having that contrast.
1: Luckily, I don't have a problem saying no, so I never. I don't have that one.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because for me, the, I I can say no definitely, but I did Big that Line number 48, which is kind of a different version of it. Is they'll hate me if I. I definitely can get caught in the people-pleasing thing, and I noticed this when I was writing this chapter, it was funny, I was working on This Big Fat Lie when we were doing um, cover revisions for my book, Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, it's so interesting that I'm revising and editing This Big Fat Lie right now, because I realized how much I wanted to make sure that my editor loved me, Uh (laughs) and how I was like, I don't want to let her know that I don't like that cover. You know, we went through a gazillion different cover ideas, which is, I know, a very common story for a lot of authors. And it was so interesting to be writing this big, fat lie and be really experiencing it in the moment. I was my own experiment, as I am with almost every single one of the big, fat lies in the book. I've I've experienced almost every single one of them myself and definitely have coached someone myself. Yeah. Um,
1: So here's another big one when it comes to love. If you love someone, you must be willing to sacrifice.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that you chose that one, mm, Lucia, <laughs> because I think that this is one of those ones that has been really ingrained in our culture, this whole idea of sacrificing. And I've got to tell you, when, when I think about sacrifice, and I want everyone to really tune into this for a minute. When you think of sacrificing, what I think about is giving from an empty cup. I think about, um, you know, abandoning yourself on some level. I, and what I've noticed is when my clients have sacrificed in that way, they feel a sense of resentment. They're, it's just like they're paving the road to resentment and anger and even regret later in life when they go into that place of sacrifice. And so what where I ask people to turn to for this part is to really look at, flipping sacrifice and taking it out of your vocabulary and out of what you're doing when you love someone. Instead, go over to being in service because when we are in service to someone or something, it is coming from that full-cut place. It is coming from that space of loving yourself as well and saying, I am going to be in service. When I am with my four-year-old little girl, we were just today... Um, Before this call, I had her out with um, with her cousin at this place called Fairyland here in the Bay Area, which is this adorable, you know, like mini amusement park for preschoolers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, believe me, it's not my most favorite thing in the world to go on a Sunday to this park because it's really crowded and all, you know, all the different things. But uh, of course, I, I was never gonna say, "Oh, I'm gonna sacrifice my Sunday and go and do this." Of course, I'm gonna be in service to my to my little girl. The same thing when you're a parent and you have a, a new child here in the world, and you have this baby that's crying in the middle of the night, but you that you then are losing your sleep. Start, start looking at it. I'm being in service to my family. I'm being in service to my child. It will feel different to you if you start reframing being in sacrifice to being in service, and really looking at what that distinction is. What would being in service look like in the places in your life where you feel like you're sacrificing? I think it will make a huge difference for your listeners, Lucia. I hope so.
1: Yes, that's why I chose that one. So your website (laughs) is wakeupcallcoaching.com. I know you have a newsletter because I subscribe to that, and you also have a ton of stuff going on on that website. So what can people expect when they go there?
0: Yeah, well, um, at wakeupcallcoaching.com, you'll find out about a free Inner Superstar Kit. You'll also be able to see my blog. You can click on the three-step process and see a video of me taking someone through the three-step process. There's all sorts of goodies there. And I also have a website. uh, actually just dedicated to the book, which is BigFatLiesBook.com, and the word lies is plural, BigFatLiesBook.com, and that website, you'll be able to find out about how you can receive seven free gifts when you order a copy of the book, so you can check that out at BigFatLiesBook.com. Sark who wrote the foreword for my book, even has... um has uh, given a gift for everybody to order a copy of my book, which is so exciting. And I'm actually knowing that you're on LA Blog Talk Radio, I just wanted to also mention anyone that is in the Los Angeles area, I'm going to be at the Bodhi Tree this coming Thursday, the 17th, at 7.30 p.m. doing a book reading, which my book readings are not book readings at all. I read for all of, like, 30 seconds at the very end. They're really a free mini-workshop for you. And um, I'd be absolutely delighted to see any of you Los Angeles people at the Bodhi Tree in West Hollywood on Thursday the 17th at 7.30
1: p.m. And that's in the building right behind the Bodhi Tree in the annex?
0: You got it, in the annex, yes, exactly. And I'm so excited. You know, i lived in L.A. for 13 years, uh-huh. and um, I just love it. And the Bodhi Tree was like my number one place that I wanted to do a book reading. And, I'm, you know, they, they had a, a, a struggle earlier this year, yes. and, they, and they came through. A, I believe they're going to be moving locations, but this is at the West Hollywood location, and I'm absolutely delighted to be doing a reading there on the 17th.
1: Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Again, the book is Big Fat Lies Women Tell Themselves, Ditch Your Inner Critic, and Wake Up Your Inner Superstar. Thanks so much for being on.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Lucia,
1: Um, happy Sunday to everyone listening. Okay. Take Bye-bye. Care. Bye. Okay. You can tell she's a master coach because she handles herself very, very well. <laughs> I could have just left the room and she would have taken over the show. That's fine. Uh, But anyways, yeah, that was a really good um, interview because I know we all have this problem with the big fat lies. So I'm actually going to answer some emails because people have been writing to me and I have just not had the time to answer. I've been overwhelmed (laughs) since we've been talking about that. So I thought, you know what, instead of emailing everybody back, I'm just going to answer them and let them know here's their answer. So this is all on the cougar topic, since that's, those are the emails I'm behind on. Okay, the first one says, I'm 23 and I have this 40-ish, extremely hot lady at the gym who dresses to kill and seduce. Shouldn't it be seduce and kill? You know, if you kill first, there's really not much to seduce. Anyways, she says, um, he says, she, uh, she wears a ring, um, or should I say more than one? How can I find out if she's a cougar? How can I confront her? I think he means approach her. And, by the way, I'm in India, and people in this part of the world are not so open. Yeah, okay. Well, obviously, if she w- is wearing more than one ring, you don't know if she's married. So, somehow, you have to uh, find out. Obviously, you don't want to be uh, hitting on a, a married woman, right? And uh, and you want to see if she's going to be interested in you. So, you know, you have to, obviously, somehow start a conversation. And the number one thing when you approach a woman, or even a guy, for that matter, and, you know, you're interested in them, you have to make it seem as if you don't have an agenda, as if you're not trying to, you know, ask her for a date, because otherwise that nervousness is going to come out and it's going to be awkward, and you just have to make it like a conversation. So get used to just talking to people and making conversation anywhere anytime and then that way when you do meet someone that you're interested in it'll be so easy because you're just used to talking to people anyways i have to stop myself from talking to people because you know i can just start talking to anyone anywhere and have a conversation and uh or i even like want to interrupt people's conversations especially if they're having a discussion about a love life topic i feel like you know pulling out a business card and going uh, excuse me <laughs> you might want to call me but uh anyways i haven't done that yet but i i've considered it Um, So, yeah, somehow you have to approach, not confront, and see what you can say, you know, ask her, um, excuse me, are you using this machine, blah, blah, blah. Just since you're at the the gym and you see her, then that's actually a lot easier because you know you're going to be seeing her um, probably on a regular basis. And so you can build up to asking her out instead of, you know, because if you have to find out, you know, if she's married... And even if she's not, if she has a boyfriend, you don't want to be asking all those questions the first time because that's and, – and guys do that. And it's really annoying for us women, uh, you know, the 20 questions. Um, I met this one guy at a party a few years ago, and, like, within 30 seconds, he's like, do you want to have kids? And I was like, what the hell? It's like, damn, talk about moving fast. <laughs> and uh, so that was not very um, appealing. All right, so that is my advice for the guy from India. Yeah, I know they're not so open in that part of the world. Well, I don't know. I don't live in India. (laughs) But at the end of the day, people are people, and the world is changing. And so maybe you need to be more subtle over there. uh, But eventually, if she is a cougar, if she is interested in younger guys, uh, you'll find out. Just don't try to rush to find out, okay? That's my advice for you, Mr. India. (laughs) Okay, The next one, okay, the guy wants to know, um, he says, okay, my question is, what are some great date ideas, particularly for a cougar-cub couple? It says, after being in college for four and a half years and dating girls roughly the same age as myself, I've noticed most of my dates really just consisted of hanging out around campus, going to parties or clubs. Yep. (laughs) That's what happens. Um, And so what are some more mature dates that a classy, intelligent cougar would enjoy? Well... um, First thing I'd say is, you know, don't confuse, you know, don't think you have to have these boring, quote unquote, mature dates, um, because the reason that cougars are interested in younger guys is because they do have this childlike spirit. They identify with younger guys. And so if you're taking them to boring places, it's going to be like, huh, I could have gone out with an older guy to this. You know, I don't need to go to the opera or the theater. (laughs) Um, Although, of course, if that's what she likes, that's not a problem. But don't think they have to be mature dates, as you put it. It's just about having fun. Uh, everyone likes to have fun no matter what age they are, right? So one way you can uh, you can find out is, you know, just ask her, so what do you like to do on dates? And the other thing that you can do is, you know, about these, uh, what are they called? I don't know, but the uh, things like Living uh, Social and Groupon, the ones that offer the discounts, they really, they're great because they, show you about things that you don't know about that are happening in town, and plus you get them at a discount. So subscribe to those, and here I am plugging Living Social and Groupon, and um, and see what they have to uh, offer, and if it sounds good, then purchase it, and then you usually have like six months to use it. So that's the great thing about dating these days. You can really save a lot of money. And then also just some inexpensive things um, that you can do, are um how about stargazing does anyone ever ever do that anymore you know like you grab a blanket especially now that it's colder grab some hot chocolate and go either in someone's backyard well not someone's backyard (laughs) just a random stranger's backyard (laughs) i mean if either one of you have a backyard um or to a park a park that's safe where you won't get killed (laughs) um and uh just um sit there and watch the stars i mean whoever does that anymore right I meant to do it different things. And um, uh, how about just going for a walk at an outdoor mall or in nature or in a really nice neighborhood? Again, that's something different. And that's probably something she hasn't done in a long time. And it'll be different. So it's not even just about a mature date. It's about something different and exciting, something she'll remember and something that will bring you closer. Because obviously that's the goal. So those are my suggestions. Okay. On to the next question, and uh, it's actually a two-for-one. Well, he's got two questions. So let me deal with the first one. He goes, what is the difference between a cougar and a sugar mama? So glad he asked that because people seem to be getting that confused. They assume that just because someone is older and they're interested in younger men that they are a sugar mama and that they're going to pay his bills or pay his way or pay whatever. And although that may be true with a small minority of older women, for the most part, no, they are not sugar mamas um, because, you know, not all cougars are rich. Yeah, most of them have obviously more money than the younger guys they're dating, but just because they have more money doesn't mean they're going to spend it all on him. Although I do know a guy who, um, he was dating this cougar and then he wanted to break up and she didn't want to let him go, so she was going to give him, how much was it, Uh, I think $250,000 $250,000 to stay with her. And he said no. Wow. So now he's working very hard <laughs> at a job and he's trying to uh, get auditions by day and working at a bar by night. And I wonder if he sometimes thinks, hmm, maybe I should have taken that two hundred and fifty and stayed there. But whatever, everyone has to do what's right for them. So, um, and a sugar mama... And also the difference between a cougar and a sugar mama is, you know, a sugar mama doesn't have to be over 40. A cougar is over 40, but a sugar mama can just basically be anybody who is going to pay your bills. So if you have a wealthy person in their 20s or 30s, maybe it's family money uh, or whatever, and they're paying your bills, then, yeah, they're your sugar mama, but they're not cougars because they're not over 40. So I hope that clears it up. So please stop calling cougars Sugar mammas, because that is not what they are. Okay, and then his next question he goes, Why does my mom get upset every time I date an older woman? And what should I do about it? And I'm like, Really? You don't know why your mom would get upset? Um, I can certainly see her point of view, obviously. Uh, most women, most mothers are not expecting their sons to uh, be dating a woman that's close to her age. And um, I know a lot of mothers are against this. And also, you know, they may worry that she's that they're not going to have grandchildren. She may be worried about not being able to have grandchildren if the relationships get serious. Or she, you know, she just, she's just still stuck in the old way of thinking. And so she's like, okay, no, you should not be dating someone my age. And, um, you know, they might be worried about what the neighbors will think or what. The family will think, or friends will think, or whatever. And so, also she might be thinking that maybe she's going to take advantage of you, you know, break your heart and leave you. (laughs) So there's various reasons why a mom might not be very happy about it. Um, But there's really, you know, nothing you can do if you're over 18. Obviously, you're um, free to do what you want and date who you want. Uh, Of course, if you live at home. It's a little more difficult because now you are living under your parents' roof or your mom's roof, and so they kind of set the rules. Um, Of course, they can't tell you who to date, but they may say, hey, don't bring her around here. (laughs) No more. (laughs) Don't bring your cougar around here. Um, But, you know, there's really, what should I do about it? Well, there's really nothing you can do except tell her, listen, you know, I'm happy, I, uh, I love my cougar. I don't know if you want to say I love my cougar. Uh, I love this woman. (laughs) Or I'm very interested in this woman, if you're not in love yet. And, uh, Mom, I I know you don't agree with me right now, and I hope that one day that you'll be happy for me, even though you may not agree with me. How about that? And if you can't tell her, then tell me, and I'll call her, and I'll tell her. (laughs) I haven't done that yet, but I would be happy to do that. I'm very good at listening to people and then trying to uh, change their minds about things. Okay. And finally... The last email, it's a little longer, this one says, I'm 20 and my partner's 34. Recently she said she wants to get married at some point, but I've asked her before about this and she's always evasive or changes the subject when I bring up specifically her marrying me as opposed to just generally wanting to get married. This makes me think she's just having fun with me and doesn't plan to actually marry me at some future time. You think? She said that she won't like me a bit more for trying to act older, but I'm worried she needs someone who's not basically a kid to her and will ultimately go for someone closer to her age. Am I just imagining it? No, you're not. Um, Yeah, you're 20. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. It's a good time. Hey, 20s can be fun, early 20s. Um, You know, she's 34. Uh, Well, actually, she, technically she's a cougar in training, but okay, that's besides the point. You know, if she's looking to get married, she doesn't want to marry a 20-year-old. You know, most older women do not want to marry 20-year-olds. You know, they'll date them, they'll have sex with them, but they because just because you're not ready to get married, you don't know what life is about. And she can't marry someone at, who's 20 if she's serious. So that's why she's trying to be nice. Yes, she is being evasive. Um, I was kind of in the same position, not exactly the same, but... You know, someone who was interested in, in me, and he was interested in a long-term relationship, marriage, all that. And then he'd talk about it, and I would just like <laughs> trying to keep changing the subject, la blah, la. Blah, blah. Uh, yeah. So I know what she, I know what she's doing. You know, we try to, um, to not answer the questions. So, yeah. Obviously, she doesn't want you to act older because she's interested in you because of who you are. So, don't try. It. And plus, how do you even know how to act older? How can you act something that you've never been? You can act like a 20-year-old um, if you're 40, and I'm sure a lot of people do, but you can't act like a 40-year-old if you're 20 unless you took acting lessons. Actually, one time, um, m- uh, my masseur, my longtime Russian masseur, his son, his like 16-year-old son, was like, broken-hearted because some girl had broken up with him. And he was trying to help him out. He's like, listen, can you call him up and pretend you're a girl at school who likes him? I'm like, oh my god. So I'm in my 30s at the time, and uh, it's like, I don't hang out with 16-year-olds. I don't know how they talk. So I just kind of made something up, you know, and he gave me his son's phone number, and I called him, left a message, and I'm like, hey, (laughs) like, hi, I go to the same school as you, and I just want to say, I think you're really cute, you know, and I said stuff like that. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know what he ever thought of the message, but the things I do for my friends Anyway, so that is my advice to this 20-year-old. Hey, if she's willing to hang in there f- with you for at least another five years, until you're 25, she's 39, then maybe she might be more willing to get married, but you can't really expect a woman to be serious with you about getting married if you're only 20. Sorry, that's just the facts of life. Okay, so that is it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I want to thank my guest, Amy Ayler's, Again, the book Big Fat Lies Women Tell Themselves Ditch Your Inner Critic and Wake Up Your Inner Superstar and her website is BigFatLies.com and also WakeUpCallCoaching.com My website is TheArtOfLove.net where I also have um, a weekly newsletter although it's not really weekly now because again I've been busy (laughs) sorry Um, so you'll get one when you get one what can I say hey I have things to do people people will see places to go and um, I also have lots of videos on there of both my media appearances and just educational videos, and I have, uh, what else? Articles, and I don't know. I don't. <laughs> you think I know what was on my website. Obviously, the latest news on the front page to see what's going on, see what I've been busy with. Um, lots of stuff, so go there, check it out, theartoflove.net. My book is at lessonsoflove.net, and that is Lucia's Lessons of Love, and there is a free excerpt there, so just sign up for the free excerpt, and um, you'll get it. Or or should I say, sign in your email, and you'll get the, whatever. Hey, it's late. No, it's not. Okay, anyways, um, I guess that's it for today. So until next time, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens.
0: You're listening to The Art of Love with your host Lucia right here on LA Talk Radio.